You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome to Prophet Pearls. This is Keith Johnson with Nehemia Gordon. We're in Jerusalem. We actually just came uh, this morning from a very interesting trip to the Temple Mount, the place where God placed his name forever. And now we're going to try our best to talk about Isaiah chapter 61. Nehemia. Isaiah chapter 61, and I suppose you want me to play by the rules and go with the verse that they've told us to go with. Um, that's your call. After what you've been through this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend you some grace. Well, I'll tell you. You uh, we're, need it. We are going, we're going to try our best to talk about this. And, and, we, and really, I, I have to just say something, folks. We are, we've, we've been, you know, by the time you're listening to this, it's approximately August sometime, maybe even September, when we get to Isaiah chapter 61. In fact, I think it's uh, yeah September twelfth, but in real time it's early uh, March. <laughs> when is it? Is it early March? I mean, <laughs> when we're recording this is March. Yeah, so we're in when March. When it's going to be broadcast is yeah, it's going to be in uh, September twelfth or so. Oh, but but the thing is, folks, we um we intentionally and I really appreciate this on the Chemia's part. For thirteen years, twelve years, I've been asking him about going with me to the Temple Mount, and he's always had pretty good excuses and legitimate excuses. And uh, and never never was able to to it wasn't really... an excuse it was a no <laughs> <laughs> okay it was a no well I went through Bubby Dina Bubby Dina his mother um, and I had thought about doing this when I was visiting before it didn't work out so we decided we we're going to go this time and of course it was kind of a blessing because Nehemiah decided to come with us so the three of us went to the Temple Mount today it started out as a beautiful day Nehemiah moved into his mode he started teaching his mother about you know the archaeological issues it was really really beautiful. And as we were going about our business, the, and can I say this? The, the, the chair broke, Nehemiah. The, the, uh, My mother's the, in a wheelchair. Yeah, in the wheelchair. Has the, been most the, of her life. Yeah, the wheel, and, the wheel broke. And, and the wheel literally came off. The wheel came off. And so by God's grace, and maybe I don't know what we want to say, that she had brought two wheelchairs. And so Nehemiah rushed from the Temple Mount. <laughs> this never happens, by the way. You don't leave the Temple Mount and come back up, especially in the same <laughs> the same entrance exit. He did his thing. He went to go get it. And as he's there, I was backing her up with this wheelchair. And she said she wanted to see some things. And we did. And we saw some things. And we stopped. And a beautiful thing happened. But, I, but, but what I want to say, um, Nehemiah, is that's how the day started. I mean, we it was beautiful. We had this issue. And then things, uh, if I can say... Well, let's share what happened. Yeah. Can I tell you why it's significant what yeah, happened? Yeah, please. So as soon as the wheel came... I mean, this is a wheelchair my mother has had for years. And we're going, we're, I'm pushing her along there on the, on the top of the Temple Mount. And all of a sudden, quite literally, the wheel comes off. Mm-hmm. I've never seen... I, you know, I, I've seen my mother in a wheelchair my entire life. I've never seen a wheel come off of a wheelchair. Mm. Not, I mean, maybe it happens, but my mother's wheelchair never happened. And as soon as it happened, what I'm thinking is... Exodus 14.25, uh, and he removed the wheel of his chariots, of Pharaoh's chariots, and he made him drive heavily. Um, and when that happened, it's really interesting. So I went to get the other wheelchair, and my plan was we're going to continue going the way we're going mm. as soon as we get the new wheel. And it's a miracle that in itself that my mother happened to have two wheelchairs. At the last minute, just before we left the house, she said, let's take the second wheelchair. Um, <laughs> mm. And... Um, uh, yeah, so, so, I, we were, so we were I go to get, get the wheelchair, and you start going backwards, which I don't know about. Um, and I wonder if the wheel didn't come off because Yehovah wanted us to go backwards. Because mm-hmm. what happens when you took her backwards? What did she see? Yeah, no, so it's amazing. So we're, we're there, and if you've never been to the Temple Mount, many people haven't, some have. There are different places along the Temple Mount where you kind of move beyond the, the, the masked stone, and you actually mm-hmm. see some of the 
original stone, meaning the bedrock, the, the, bedrock the actual stone of the mountain. And just to give context, my mother is an Orthodox Jewish woman. Uh, she had started. She first came to Israel in 1973, mm-hmm. moved to Israel in 1990, and her life living in Jerusalem and, and her life entire life had never been to the Temple Mount mm-hmm. before. And I was really, I was really humbled that she would do it, um, and she did it. And we were there, and, and at first it was a bit of a crisis because when this happened, she's like, "Look." That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, go get my wheelchair. I'm out of here. And then she started, she moved into her mode. Where we're just looking at the, the trees and all this stuff. And we see this original stone, which Nehemiah had pointed out. And she stops and she looks at me. And she said, look at me. And I look at her. She doesn't put her hand over her mouth or anything. She says the Shema. And she begins to to well up. And she said, this is, this is, this is really a significant and important thing. Now, I didn't understand the significance, importance of it. Uh, as far as until I got back with Nehemiah and he talked about it, but I didn't get to tell them what happened. I mean, I, I, I mean, I say coincidence. You say it's not a coincidence at all. If you're Jewish, this well, is what you would so do. I was up there in the Temple Mount, separate from this whole situation, and I was moved, and I said the Shema as well. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, you could say, wow, it's a miracle they both said the Shema, but actually, it's kind of a very natural thing for a Jew up in the Temple Mount. Mm-hmm. You know. You see, this is the place Yehovah put his name forever. This is the central prayer in the Torah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a prayer that we're taught. The last words you speak before you die are supposed to be this prayer. Shema Yisrael, hero Israel. Yehovah Eloheinu, Yehovah Echad. Yehovah mm-hmm. uh, is our God. Yehovah is one. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised that you know she sees an actual piece. And why, what's the significance of her seeing a piece of the, of the bedrock, of the actual mountain? Is you look all around you in the Temple Mount, and what you see is there's this mm-hmm. mosque, and there's that mm-hmm. mosque, and there's this mm-hmm. you know, Muslim structure, and that Muslim structure. And all of a sudden, you see an authentic piece of the very stone of the mountain where Yehovah put his name forever. Come on with that. And how could a Jew see that and not say the Shema? Mm. Yeah, so that was really amazing. And so what we ended up doing is going backwards. And as a result of that, we wanted to get over to the spot where there's a traditional spot. I shouldn't say traditional, but it's where if Orthodox Jews go up on the Temple Mount, they have like a a route that they take. And I've been up there many times with my friend, Yehuda Glick, and I've watched them go on this route. And I said, oh, we're going to go on that route. And even Nehemiah, we we were heading to take this route. That way around the other way, but as a result of this wheel falling off, we had to go uh, backwards. And going backwards, turn around, this happens, we get over to the spot, and as we get there, the head of the um, Temple uh, temple Mount, can I say this, the Temple Institute, I guess. They call it the Temple Institute, don't they? Yeah, uh, Chaim Richmond, the head yeah. of the Temple Institute. Yeah, Temple in, Institute in the old city of Jerusalem. is actually there with a group of he's Jewish people. And so he's going, they've got six or seven, who knows how many security guards, and etc. So we're waiting for them because I wanted to introduce him to uh, Bubby Dina to have him also, you know, acknowledge that she was there. And and so anyway, so they came around and as they come around, I say to him, uh, Rabbi Richmond, this is Bubby Dina, her husband who's passed away is Rabbi Gordon. I didn't say Bubby Dean. I said <laughs> Tina Gordon and her husband. And 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 would you? She has a couple questions. And so he was talking to her back and forth. Well, this sort of started a bit of a problem because the the people that are up there they have they have their guards and and then they have the what I mean, we call the Muslims the, have their guards. No, there's no, Israeli police. There's Israeli police, and, and then, then there's, there's the, the Muslim guards. Yeah, yeah. The, the Jordanian walk. So they go with them to make sure that none of those Jews pray, and there's no issues. The police are protected. I mean, you've heard the story many times. And as they got around, sure enough, the women start doing their thing and they doing their chanting. What's the women doing their and thing? And then and so they start saying Allah Akbar. You know, I got in a lot of trouble for doing this, by the way. But anyway, so they start saying that. Uh, so the Muslims are actually shouting at the Jews. Yeah. Uh, using the name of their god and and a proclamation mm. about the Muslim god as a form of verbal violence, mm-hmm. no question about it. You have a bunch of these women who are shouting Covering at the top their of their lungs, yeah. and they're following the Jews wherever they go, shouting Allah Akbar, 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 Allah
what? Yeah. It's verbal violence, and it's intentional, directed verbal violence, mm. no question about it. So this was the toward the end of our trip, and so things are a little tense because we're not in the group that they're yelling at, meaning that's not, you know, it's just three of us, but we're there because I wanted her to meet Rabbi Richmond, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah had a couple questions, really important questions about where the people go and, and, and all these kinds of things. And he was he was very nice about it, but clearly, you know, he's like the, the lightning rod that's there, just happens to be there when we're there. We're up in that spot. We thought we were going to go do something else. And then this, uh, this guy walks up to me and he says something along the lines of, do you remember me? And I'm like, no. Do you remember me? He gets very close in my face. In your face. And there's a guy behind him taking pictures and he says, uh, good, you don't remember me. And but then he said, I remember no, no, you. No, no, no. And he says, but I remember you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, whatever. So I'm there, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then at this point, Bubby Dina finally says, look, okay, I've heard enough yelling. I've heard enough. There's something going on here. It's, let's go. So we begin to go. And then another man walks up to me that I do remember, who was actually a part of the, the group uh, the, that actually kicked me off the Temple Mount uh, about walk. a year ago, the Muslim walk, for the uh, Jordanian walk. For, and, and so what he does is he comes up to me and he says something along the lines of, how is or where is your friend Yehuda Glick? Now, when he says this, <clears throat> luckily, Nehemiah is next to me, and he's a Gordon. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, Gordons don't do well if they're not in a conversation. So <laughs> this guy's talking to me, and Nehemiah looks at him and says, what did you say? Well, because I didn't hear. He no, said and, to you. And, I he was talking to me, but I was actually glad that you asked it because he was, in effect, sort of coming up to me after they taking pictures and sending this sort of harassment kind of thing going on. And it really, it, Nehemiah? It really bothered me. It really, it's, it's bothering me today. You know, we were talking last week about the beauty of the, uh, of the sanctuary. It says, we talked about the beauty of his sanctuary. And it's really hard to be up on the Temple Mountain. Some people say that's why you don't go. You don't go there because it's not the place that it's going to be. I, I, take, I tend to take a little bit of a different view. And you can maybe share your view, view with it. But um, Yehovah's name is still there. And uh, he said it would be there forever. And for me as a foreigner... Boy, there's no other place I'd rather be than to come into Israel and go to that place, to Mount Zion. The, you know, all these things, all these specific things. We're talking about prophet pearls. We're almost at the end of prophet pearls, and we're not going to take a field trip to the Temple Mount? Now, i got to ask you a question. Yeah. We've been here for two weeks doing these prophet pearls, and you chose today of all days for us to go up there. Uh, was this a setup? Yeah. And, and I'm ask, let me no, tell no. you why I'm asking if it's a setup. Because the section we're about to do has the, the very verse that we opened up the entire Prophet Pearl series You're with. Me. You're kidding me. It's the verse that Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, spoke here. at the United Nations. <laughs> no, we it's, weren't supposed to get that until August. Did you know that? I that promise you I did not. Did and not, not only that. that, not only that, I didn't I knew I, we could we couldn't take the field trip unless I unless unless we got a lot done. And we had gotten a lot done. Yeah. So the field but trip was this was, planned, this, no, this promise timing? You. No. What, what, so what, tell us what, pro, so what, what what section are we in by the way? I, so we're in the, the entire section we're doing and, and maybe we'll just focus on this, is Isaiah sixty one ten through sixty three nine. And uh, which is parallel to uh, it's actually the seventh in the series of the Isaiah comfort sections. Mm. Um, it's the last of the comfort you sections. You got to be kidding me! Nehemiah. And it's Deuteronomy twenty nine nine through thirty twenty Nitzavim, but uh, Isaiah sixty two one it says Leman Sion lo for the sake of Zion I will not be silent. Uleman Yerushalayim lo eshkot and for the sake of Jerusalem I will not be quiet. Oh my goodness! until her righteousness. Comes forth like uh, like a shining light. and her salvation, her Yeshua, shall burn like a torch. This is the verse that we were reading. So when we started prophet, the next verse, and the Gentiles, the nations, will see your righteousness. 
and all, all and all the kings your glory. Everything changes. And, uh, Everything changes. Everything and then ch- verse six. Upon your walls, O Jerusalem, he shomrim I have placed Preach, appointed guards, watchers, all day and all night, tamid, always. Lo they will not be quiet. who mention Yehovah, you shall not be quiet. Keith, are you one of these watchers? Are you one of these these wait, No wait, what are you saying? We just, we just got back we just wall. got back from Probably the most and, tense. And I'll tell the people, I had no clue what was in this portion. I prepared it two months ago, and I'm, I'm pulling up my notes, and I'm looking at this as you're telling the story, and I'm thinking, seriously? You planned this, didn't you? I promise you. Nehemiah, can, can, can you give your perspective of what happened? And in other words, they heard from me. And the reason I want to hear your perspective is that you you, you told me, you've, you've told me in the past that the, you know there are issues... But, but you made a big decision. You decided to go there, and you went there. And, and, well, I wasn't going to let my mother go by herself, and it's a good thing. Her wheelchair broke, and you know, I had to go and run to the car and get another wheelchair. I mean, you know, look, yeah. I, I, it was a good thing I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I needed to be there if she was going to insist on going there. And look, I, I lived in Israel for 20 years, and I've only, only, this is only the second time I've ever been in the Temple Mount. The first time I went by myself. Um, and it was a very emotional experience, very emotional. I mean, the hardest thing for me, the, the most emotional part for me, was seeing the pile of stones in the Temple Mount. Come on, brother. And I mentioned this to you, and you said, Nehemi, there's no pile of stones up there. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And we saw the pile of stones today. It was yes. right there. I don't know how you missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's my And you know how I missed it, by the way? You know, the only way you see the, the pile of stones? Yeah. If you take the tour with the Orthodox Jews that go around the edge... You, you you go past there and you go down in this little deal and you walk along the wall and the focus is the wall you're moving towards the wall you're like no I know there's a pile of stones and you took us right to it I mean um, I didn't even remember where it was but I, mm-hmm. I went right to it so it's Jeremiah twenty six eighteen I think we read this a few days ago mm-hmm. Micah the Morishite prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah and spake to all the people of Judah saying thus saith Yehovah of hosts Zion shall be plowed like a field and Jerusalem shall become heaps. And, and the word in Hebrew is iyim, heaps of stones, and the mountains of the house, as and the mountains of the house, um, and actually in Hebrew it says the mountain of the house, the harabite, that's mm-hmm. the Jewish Hebrew name for, for the Temple Mount. So you could really translate harabite, the Temple Mount, as the high places of a forest. Um, and and I went up to the Temple Mount the first time a, a number of years ago, and I see the trees. There's trees mm-hmm. growing up there. Mm-hmm. It's like a forest, and there's kids playing soccer, mm-hmm. little Muslim kids playing soccer, like they're in some kind of park. Um, having no respect for the place, and I walk around the corner and I see this pile of stones. It's a garbage dump where they dump all the mm-hmm. the ruined stones, and, and there's probably some structure under there mm-hmm. in this pile of ruined stones. It's exactly what's described here. Um, uh, here in the JPS, it's um, thus saith, uh, thus said the Lord, the Lord Yehovah, thus said Yehovah of hosts, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the Temple Mount a shrine in the woods. <laughs> and it's exactly what you see up there. You see a shrine in the woods. Um, and, and, and by the way, there's this part of the idea that in the Tanakh, you can't have a tree next to the altar of Yehovah. So there were no trees in the Temple Mount. You go up there and they've planted all their sacred oaks and their sacred mm-hmm. trees. And they've got their shrine in the woods. And you've got the heap of stones, heap of stones. And, um, what, you know, that, it, it's, it's very, it's very emotional. And so here I am up there and, um, and, and I see these women 
who are up there, these Muslim women in their burqa, and they're and they're using their faith, their religion as as a form of violence against Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, they're following them, they're dogging them, they're they're they're, they're persistently following them, wherever the Jews go, and they're shouting at the top of their lungs the name of their God, and um, and they're doing it clearly to harass. I don't think anyone would dispute that that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know if you remember this, but I said to you, are you sure that maybe they're just praying? How do we know they're actually doing it to harass? Mm. And then I saw this band of Muslim women following the Jews. Mm. So it's very clear what they're doing. You know, I was mm. trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe this is just their faith to proclaim, you know, shout Mm-mm. the name of their God um, at the top of their lungs. But the way they're doing it is no question in anybody's mind. This is why they're doing it. There was complete quiet there until these Jews came up and then they started following them, harassing them. And, um, and, I, and I see this situation where Jews... You know, this is our country. We're a majority. We control the country. But up on the Temple Mount, we're a minority. Mm. Um, the Muslims control the Temple Mount for whatever historical reasons. And we go up there. What are those historical reasons? Can you – would you let people know? I don't think people know. Could you? Would you be okay, willing? Okay, so in 1967, we captured the old city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And Moshe Dayan, who was a secular Jew, uh, decided to turn the Temple Mount back over to the Muslims. Yeah, to the Jordanian and, walk specific, yeah, specifically. And, and – um, why did he do that? Look, he was a secular Jew. What did he care about the Temple Mount? And his attitude was, you know, look, I've already got 100 million Arabs who want to kill me. I don't want to have a war with a billion Muslims. Mm. Um, and so instead of trusting in Jehovah, he decided to trust in man. And we can okay. see how that's working out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so up there, we're a minority. And you certainly as a foreigner, as a Christian, as a black man, you're a minority. Mm. And you, we come up there wanting to serve our God and pray in the place where Jehovah put his name forever according to our faith. And these people of another faith are saying, no, you cannot come here and practice your faith. This is our place. If you even move your lips, what my mother did saying to the Shema, if the, if the Israeli police or the Muslim walk saw that, she would have been arrested. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they didn't see it. But if they would have seen it and, when they, and if they would have seen what I did, which was also saying the Shema, and I actually um, held my hand over my mouth as if I was scratching my nose as I said the Shema so they wouldn't see my lips moving. Mm-hmm. And I go up there. You know what I feel like? Um, you know, and I was talking to you about this before. So there was, you know, there was the situation where the, the, the four African-American kids, they, they got accepted into the University of Mississippi. And, and the white people said, you can't come into our sanctuary. No, hold on. This is our holy to- place. We're going to, you know, we're going to prevent you from going in here. We're going to beat you. We're going to club you. We're going to we're going to attack you. We're going to yell at you, curse you, spit at you. And finally, they had to bring in the National Guard that stood up for their rights. And at the time, I'm sure there were a lot of black people who said, Guys, shh, don't go! Don't go anywhere! Go anywhere! Don't go to that university. You're going to rock the boat. You're going to cause trouble. We're going to have a war with all these white people. Shh, just don't do it. And that's how I feel going up there as a Jew on the Temple Mount. I've got a lot of my people saying, shh, "Just don't go there. Shh, come on, it's a billion Muslims. We don't want a war with them. Shh, just don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. whatever your faith is, just keep it to yourself. You know, go go stand outside and outside of the Western mm-hmm. Wall, mm-hmm. Out, out in the street. Don't go up to the Temple Mount, the place where Jehovah put His name forever. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, like, <laughs> come on, we're in, we're we're in the 21st century where we have a world that talks about freedom of religion mm-hmm. and, and the right to practice one's faith. And, you know, if, if a Muslim were to come and pray at, at a Jewish site, they wouldn't arrest him for, for you know, for praying. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's unbelievable that that's the police they are coming for us. Nah. <laughs> they found out we made the prayer. Um, you know, it, it breaks my heart that my own people can't go up there without being harassed. Mm-hmm. They can't go up there without, um, without you know, without 
without getting arrested for praying. And not only that, but the fulfillment of the prophecies that we've read. We've talked about this time and again about the Gentiles who come to the, to the place and they pray there and they pray towards there, which is a fulfillment of prophecy. That very fulfillment of prophecy is illegal. It's against the law. And you going up there wanting to practice your faith as mm-hmm. a Keith Johnson Methodist is actually against the law and will get you harassed. It will get you attacked. It gets you threatened. Mm. How's your friend Yehuda Glick, the yeah. one we shot? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I got to say, Nehemiah, I, I, and folks, as you're listening to this, like I said, we're, we're present time in, in uh, September. And I, at the end of this show, I actually want to replay what Netanyahu did at the United Nations. Because Nehemiah, I think it's amazing that he did this. He brought these, this verse in 62. We started Prophet Pearls out by bringing this verse. We had no idea that we'd be in the land of Israel. Just having come the second Just, time in my life from the Temple Mount. From the, the Temple Mount. And you're mother. telling me, and, and, and this is, the chances of this, we couldn't have planned it. There's no way we could have planned We didn't even know how many we were going to get done. And so well, now we didn't know is, we were going to be reading this one this morning no, until late last abs- night. Until late last and, night. And the, um, when we finished five yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and then the pre- preparations to go to the Temple Mount was something we did several, oh, by several the way, days ago. Oh, no, even that's been amazing. Faxes you know, and, and faxes call, and getting security clearance yeah. and, and all of that stuff. And you know what? I just have to say something as I'm pushing the broken wheelchair and you're pushing the wheelchair with your mother in it. And here I am there not bothering anyone, not saying anything to anyone. I'm pushing a broken wheelchair and this guy comes up and does his thing and the second guy comes up and does his thing and I have to be honest, if you hadn't read that verse, I, I just was about at the place where I was like, you know, what is this all about? I mean, I can't, you so no, I can't go to the, the I, I wasn't even praying to him. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have my hand, I wasn't doing anything other than being there. And and for him to, 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 to mention the name of my friend Yehuda Glick, who is my friend, and for him to mention that name in sort of a way of saying, how's he doing? And knowing that the guy's fighting, has been, and has been for several months, Fighting to get back his life and, and to be able to, 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 to continue his work again and to be there. I just have to be honest. I mean, I, I, I'm scratching my head saying, you know, what do I do next? Do I go meet with the Israeli police? Do I meet with the, the walk? What do I need to do to let them know? I mean, and, and then we get to this verse that says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And I'm going to say this on this date as people are listening. By the time this date comes, I, I will have not been, 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 been silenced. There's not going to be any silence about this, Nehemiah. I'm going to continue to be who I am. Love this place. It's about my everything about that place has been about encountering God. And now some henchmen, I'll call them that, henchmen want to come up and harass and 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 threaten and do that sort of thing. No, we've gone through scriptures before talking about don't be afraid of them. I'm not going to be afraid of them. But I will say something. It's very discouraging to go by that place and to be at that at that place in this situation and to see that it really is it it really is discouraging. Can I tell you what I was thinking as they're as they're proclaiming, as they're shouting at the top of their lungs, using this praise "Allahu Akbar" as a form of verbal violence? So the women are standing there, and here, here's the image, guys. There's the Dome of the Rock, which is the place, according to the Jewish understanding, where the Holy of Holies stood of the Temple, the first Temple and the second Temple. It's the place where the angel stopped just before he was about to wipe out Jerusalem, and that was the place Yehovah put His name forever. And one, uh, one, uh, two Samuel twenty-four. Go read it. That's homework. Um, it's also in Chronicles. Um, and so we're standing there and we're looking up at the dome and there's these steps and the women are standing on the steps shouting, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, to shout out the Jews who are standing at the bottom of the steps. They have to be quiet. And, and, they can't and, say and a word. And they're whispering, you know, literally this rabbi from the Jewish quarter of Jerusalem, Rabbi Richmond, he's, he's whispering because, you know, he look, he just wants to be there to explain to people what, what, what's going on and, and, and not to start a, a fight. 
and and um, I hear them shouting these words. And what I thought, I kept thinking this, is these are the words that the terrorists shouted on 9-11 as they flew, flew their airplanes into the towers. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, <laughs> this this is what they represent. This mm. is what their faith is about, is about you know using those words as verbal violence and using those words in the – and I think I even mentioned this when I was up there um, – and using it for literal violence – for physical violence, this is a, this is a, a disgrace to. Um, I think it's a disgrace to their own heritage. Mm. Um, it's it's very shameful that someone would use the name of their god and proclaiming the greatness of their god, whatever their god is, for violence. That that that's dis- that's so disgusts me. Mm. Um, it, it really makes me sad. Wow. Well, I have to say this, you know, the, the dynamic up there changed. Um, in the past, yeah. you'd have one or two, uh, what they call the walk, the walk watchers, and then you'd have one or two or three soldiers. But today, as that group of whatever it was, seven or eight Jews were up there, there were about six or seven walk folks that were around them at least, and then as many um, uh, uh, soldiers. And, and, you know, and this is just because some people are up at that place no intention for for violence, no intention to do anything disrespectful, and they can't even go up on that place. The holiest uh, piece of real estate, not the third holiest for like it is for Islam, the holiest piece of real estate uh, for Jews, and and they're they're not even able to go on that place to with, to have any sort of a peace. So I give a shout out to my friend Yehuda who told me um, I, I was here in Jerusalem. I got a chance to spend some time with him, and he told me, you know, my life has been spared, and and I'm going to continue my mission and. And, and I certainly want to do whatever part that I'm called to do, and including not being silent when it comes to these kinds of things. And I mean, it was really encouraging for me because you were there. You moved into your mode. I mean, your mom, your mom loved it. She's like, oh, man, you know, we, we got to film this whole thing. You were talking about, you know, the, the, the archaeological issues. And, and, and those are well, things really people the, don't get a chance to hear, you know. And I think calling it archaeology maybe, maybe and yeah. I know this isn't your attention, no, no, no. but in a way belittles it. Because really, my mother's question is, where was the temple? Mm-hmm. I see this mosque and that mosque and this place where the Muslims wash their feet and this mm-hmm. place where they wash mm-hmm. their hands mm-hmm. and this place where they you know take a drink. Where was the temple? That's the only thing she wants to know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was explaining archaeologically. You know, this is from you know mm-hmm. uh, this pier at Seven Eleven. This is from mm-hmm. Six Ninety One. But here is where the actual temple yes. was. Yes. Um, you know, you've got the Temple Mount and the original temple of, of uh, Solomon and Zerubbabel is just a subsection mm-hmm. of the of the entire Temple Mount. And that's what I was explaining. This was the um, what was known back then in Second Temple times as mm. the Court of the Gentiles. That was the area that, that mm. Herod expanded the Temple Mount. He doubled the size of it so that Gentiles could come and, and be in the area. But then mm. there was the area where only circumcised were allowed to enter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was explaining all that archaeology to my mother. And then when she saw that, I guess when I was away, and she saw the um, the 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 piece of the of the um, of the bedrock. Yeah. I she think it all became real at that moment because it wasn't. Oh, you know, underneath here somewhere is a mountain no. that we've she heard about it. in our entire lives. There's the mountain. Yeah. There it is. That's the place. And I have to tell you, you know, I'm really kind of frustrated because we were going to go over to the area where they still have these stones that were have not been covered over from the mm-hmm. temple. And you know, having been on the tour with Yehuda, I've seen these places, and I was pointing it out to her, and and we weren't able to continue. I well, I say complete the tour. Um, for for the reasons that you just mentioned, they 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 basically want to make it very uncomfortable for you, and they do everything they can, and they made it uncomfortable for me personally. And I still don't know what I will do. Uh, there are options, but um, I'm not going to be silent about it. So I'm glad that we did this, that we went right to this section. Um, the question really is: Do we go backwards or do we continue? I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I don't know. I, think I don't think go backwards. Uh, look, we're not going to go through the whole section. We're going to assign some homework. Um, but there are some things we've got to talk about. There's a lot to talk yes, about yes, yes, in this yes. section. 
Um, can we read the first verse? Yes, please. Go ahead. Okay. Where are we at? Actually, before we read the first verse, and this is, I think, what you were trying to get at. I was trying to get to it. Which is, so this starts in Isaiah 61.10. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 61.1 is very significant, 61 uh, verses 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it's significant, um, I think for Christians it's significant for a different reason than it's significant for Jews. Mm-hmm. So in the Gospel of Luke... We've got the story, and can we read that story from the Gospel of Luke? Please, can you do that? And, that? You know, I, and I would really love this because I, we have we have another one of those experiences that we that we had together. Many that we don't remember. <laughs> this was one that I don't think you remembered, and I didn't remember. I didn't remember the the, the what you brought up, and okay. I, I have to just tell you, it really overwhelmed me. Um, and it was how many years ago? I don't even know how many years it was. I don't know. A few yeah. years back, mm-hmm. quite a few years back. Okay. Um, where is this verse where mm-hmm. he um, reads from where, where Yeshua gets up while he's looking for it? Yeshua is in the synagogue and he goes to the front of the synagogue and he reads from the scroll and he unrolls the Isaiah scroll uh-huh. and begins to read in uh, Isaiah chapter 61. So here in the gospel of Luke, um, there's this great story. It says uh, in Luke four sixteen. it says when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the, uh, a prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? Um, so, you know, so, so why is this important for Jews? I understand obviously why it's uh, important mm-hmm. for people coming from the mm-hmm. New Testament perspective. Yeshua goes to the synagogue on Shabbat, as was his custom. He was a Jew. He mm-hmm. went to the synagogue. And uh, and they're reading. He, he actually reads from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 to 2. And I would say something before you say something. Yeah. I'll tell you something. So I would have never, all I thought was, yeah. you know, it was time to read and, and, he, and, and you know, and he, he chose this passage and why did he, you know, he chose the passage and I'm like, you know, it makes sense. Let's talk about the passage, what it is. Yeah. And that's as far as I went. Yeah. So a few years back, we were here in Jerusalem and we went to this, uh, this um, event, which was, they were launching, and I forget exactly what it was mm, called, but it was something like a Jewish commentary on the New Testament or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and Jews were writing it. Right. This is not no, Christian. No, it's not Christian. It's not Messianic. In fact, they made a point. They said no Messianics were involved in this. They were uh, Orthodox Jews, secular Jews, Jewish scholars. And I remember specifically, I believe it was Professor Shinan from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem who got up. And he said the reason that we need the Gospels as Jews is that it teaches us about our own history. And he brought this verse as an example. Mm. He said, we know from the Jewish sources that the Haftarah, or the prophet's Come portion, on, brother. began during the time, we're told, of the persecution. Here's where things get a little complicated, Professor Shinan explained. There are two persecutions referred to in Jewish sources that are difficult to distinguish, whether it was the persecution of Antiochus IV, 175 to 165 BCE, or whether it was the persecution of Hadrian, the Roman emperor. So the first one was a Seleucid Greek. The second one, Hadrian, was a Roman emperor who uh, had his persecutions in the 130s AD or CE. Mm. And so some scholars had come along and said, yeah, the Haftarah, the prophet's portion, only began during the time of the Hadrianic persecutions in the 130s AD. And lo and behold, they opened up this passage in Luke and said, no, they were already doing it in the first century in the time of Yeshua. Come on, man. And, and, and Shinan explained, this professor from Hebrew U at this event, he said, look, 
we need this to, to fully explain our own history. We've got this reference, but we're not sure which period. And this proves that it was during the Seleucid Greek persecution because 150 years, 200, 180 years later or some, something like that, 200 years later, Jesus of Nazareth is, is reading the Haftarah in the synagogue, which is exactly what he was doing. And, and I'm going to tell you something, Nehemiah, and I, I just, just not to overly, not to say it again, but for those that miss that, the idea is that he's, in, he's there. They're going through the portions. Here's the Torah portion. Now it's the prophet section. Maybe Yeshua is like us. Like we, we're sitting here saying, you know, just by chance, just by chance, today we go to the Temple Mount and today we're reading this section in the Haftarah. Maybe it's just by chance. Or maybe he goes to the synagogue because he knows what section they're reading. Maybe he, maybe that's exactly why he's there. But the point is, you, when it's time, no, I'm telling you. No, when you, it's t- you read the passage in Luke. Because in Luke 4, 9, it says, I'm reading from the yeah, New yeah. Standard Version. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, etc. And then the next scene is he comes into the synagogue and reads this passage. <laughs> so, so all I'm saying is, he knows about, what the Haftarah section talks is. talks about being a watcher on the wall and exactly. not being silent for Jerusalem. Yeah. He's reading uh, this section. I'll tell you, I, I'm just, the reason wow. I'm bringing that up, I think that's amazing, Nehemiah, that the Jewish people were talking about the significance of finding out about their yeah. own history by looking in the gospel. I think that, yeah. to me, that's, you know, yeah. it's it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And not only is it amazing, it relates exactly to what we're talking about. That mm-hmm. basically he was reading from the Torah por- or from the prophet portions and that was the section that he was. And I think can I can I say this is really controversial, oh. but, but we were talking about this the other day. So um David Stern, who wrote the complete Jewish Bible, was at this event. And he got up and he complained to all of these Jewish professors and rabbis. He said, You didn't include me. And they said, Yeah, this wasn't about you. You've got your messianic agenda. We want to know about our history and we're gonna use the New Testament. As a Jewish document, yeah, he wasn't you're happy. using it he wasn't as a, as for a different agenda, yeah. and he wasn't happy about that. But but it really, to me, that gives it more legitimacy. This isn't you know um, you know th- this isn't part of this is this is Jews trying to understand their own history and saying, look, these are Jewish sources. It's time we took them back. Oh my goodness! Can I get an amen? Wow. wow. Um, and so I think that's really now. Here's the question. That of course, we have to ask. This isn't one of the sections of the Haftarah. Yeah, isn't that funny? So what happened? So I was going to protest the whole thing. Because, yeah. you know, when I first saw Isaiah 61, I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> we get to talk about this. And, and, you know, again, not understanding, you know, what we had done a couple years ago, not understanding yeah. how that related to the uh, prophet portions. I confess that. But but I, you, you ask yourself the question. So, again, we start in verse 10. And we miss the first part of it. Now, question becomes this. Yeah. Is this one of the sections that's actually related? Are we still in the series that's not related to the Torah portions? Well, so there's two statements to make. First of all, or two, two observations. One is that, um, you know, we, we've talked about how there's a three and a half year cycle and there's mm-hmm. a yearly cycle. And I don't know what they did at the synagogue of Nazareth, meaning they might have had a three and a half year cycle. And who knows what the what we don't necessarily know what portions they read. Mm-hmm. And, and, even, and beyond that, it's very possible that. They opened up Isaiah and they said, okay, you, the reader, choose something, whatever you feel led to read from Isaiah. Mm. And there's some there's some references in rabbinical literature that seem to indicate that, that you could really choose whatever you wanted as long as you read at least three verses. Mm. And that brings me to the other point. So we read in Luke, he only quotes two verses, right? Mm-hmm. But probably in reality, he read a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's it doesn't, and it's just bringing us the beginning, which is actually a Jewish style. You don't, you know... When you quote the beginning of a section, it's assumed that you're you're reading the entire section. It's funny because as you were reading in Luke, I was looking at it as in Isaiah, and there was a mm-hmm. phrase that we missed that that actually skipped over that 
kind of sends the message that maybe mm. that's exactly what was going on. Yeah. The phrase that he missed. Now, how far he read, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. But probably, um, probably he read uh, this entire prophecy, which in the Hebrew text, let me just double check this so I, I, so yeah. I get it right. But in the Hebrew text, we have a space before 61.1, a samach, or mm-hmm. a closed uh, yep, space. Yep, yep. And the next space is after 61.9. Um, so probably he read verses 1 through 9. Mm-hmm. And, and what would you know support that is, I mean, it actually is a unit. It, it, it re- makes a lot of sense. Um, and we're not going to read the whole thing. That's homework. Go no, no, read no, this we, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and ask yourself um, when Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua of uh, Hanotzli, when he read this, um, what what was his what was the message he was trying to communicate in this context to the Jews in the synagogue mm-hmm. when he read verses one through nine? Assuming that's what he read, mm-hmm. um, yeah, pretty cool. Now you know what we did do. So what I appreciated about you going to sixty two obviously is that was that's the key. And I really do want I you know maybe we won't edit this at the end. Just go back and listen to the first um, prophet pearls because we give context to the whole statement from sixty two. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. My question for you is, mm-hmm. is there a section here that, and like I like verse 6 where he starts talking about, I actually have uh, posted watchmen on your walls. And I mean, oh, I come on, that. here's the song. Can we, can we talk about 6110 before yes. we get to that? Yep. So can you read 6110 in your English? Yep, 6110 <clears throat> says this. It says, I, de- I delight greatly in Yehovah. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord, in, in English, will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what I love here is this phrase, a uh, close of salvation. Mm-hmm. And I also love this phrase, it says, which literally is, uh, he will wear um, uh, a Glorious hat or mm-hmm. some kind of a hat. Not like the hat that you've been wearing. No, not, no. no uh, maybe not. Okay. Like a chatan, like a groom. Yeah. And and what we can see, the reason I like this is here's an example where the word kohen, priest, has a literal sense. Hmm. And the literal sense of kohen, we often will translate it as those who minister, those who serve. There's another yes. word for that in Hebrew, lesharet. Um And a kohen, he does ministry, who misharet. But here, yichahen means to wear a hat, to wear a mm-hmm. special hat mm-hmm. that indicates you're someone special. And that's really interesting because the Kohanim, the priests in the temple, wore a special hat. And, and it sounds almost ridiculous. Like, so Kohen, a priest, the temple, has something to do with wearing a hat? Mm. But it actually does. And it explains some other verses, um, uh, which people go look up at homework. 2 Samuel eight eighteen mentions that the sons of David were Kohanim, were priests. And probably it means they had some kind of service where they wore a special hat. Mm-hmm. Not that they actually served in the temple, because only the Levitical priests could serve in the temple. Mm-hmm. And then this also explains probably about Melchizedek. In Genesis fourteen eighteen. it says Melchizedek was the king of Salem. He brought out bread and wine, and he was a Kohen, a hat wearer to the Most High God. Mm. And then uh, Psalm one ten four, Nishba Yehovah veloinachem, Yehovah has sworn, and he will not repent, he will not change his mind. You are a Kohen forever. After the manner of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And here, as many understand, he's referring to the Messiah or the King of Israel. And he's saying, look, King of Israel, you're going to be a Kohen. Not like the priests in the temple who bring sacrifices and slaughter sheep. And you're going to be a Kohen after the manner of Melchizedek, who stood Mm -hmm. before me wearing a special hat, serving me as King of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 And it's funny because, you know, it goes, it goes after the statement that you mentioned. It says yeah. you will be a crown of splendor. 
Amen. In Yehovah's yeah. hand, a royal. And if you look throughout this passage, that's homework too. Yep. Look at the whole theme of wearing hat wearing and covering hat. the head. That's something that repeats itself a few times. Now, verse six, Nehemiah. We are today. Yeah. One of the beauty, beautiful things about going to the old city of Jerusalem. Before verse six, no, no, and this, and this I was homework. The, verse two, sixty-two, two. Future names of Jerusalem. Look these up. We're not going to read them all. Isaiah one twenty-six, Isaiah sixty-two four, Isaiah sixty-two twelve. Jeremiah thirty three sixteen. Go look up the future names of Jerusalem. Yeah, now we've had that's study. really cool because they actually looked at the we names talked of about Jerusalem this before, yeah. before, and not the names that are that yeah. that are already being called, but the future names. That's pretty cool. So verse six. I'm not going to talk about verse six. No, we're talking about verse. No, six. no I want to move to verse seven. Stand with me on the wall, Nehemiah's <laughs> wall. That's my ministry, McCor Hebrew Foundation, empowering people with information. What's Come, the verse say? Stand. What does it say? Al shomrim. Upon your walls, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchers, guards, all day and all night. They will not, they will, perpetually, they will not be silent. Those who mention Yehovah, do not be silent for yourselves. People, mm. come stand with me on the wall and don't be silent. Mention the name of Yehovah and, you know, and, and join me on the wall. Mm. Mm. You need me on that wall. <laughs> you want me on that wall. And I want you on that wall. If you feel that Jehovah has called you, appointed you, come stand with me on the wall. Amen. 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 Wow. Um, I'm going to hold off on my ministry minute. You got that. that I, I can't follow after that. That's good stuff. I love the phrase. You want me. You need me on the wall. I mean, yeah. I mean we really do. We really do need you on the wall. And we were actually on the wall today. We're very close to being on top of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Yehovah has sworn by his right hand and by his, his mighty arm. Never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies. And never again will foreigners drink the new wine for which you have toiled. But these who harvest it will eat it and praise Yehovah. And those who gather the grapes will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. There again. Is this this you know we were in you know that's where we were today. We were in the courts of a sanctuary. Literally. That's where we were today. Ah oh, man, pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones. Which stones are they talking about there? The wakf. <laughs> Raise a banner for the nations. Yehovah has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your savior comes. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. Now, I love this. I love this part, and I want you to read this. I want us to look at this, verse 12, and I want us to slow down. Because I, I think that, ah, man, oh, man. It I'll says, it and, they, oh, you want to read it. Okay. and they will call them. What will they call them? Am HaKodesh. Am HaKodesh. Ge'ulei Yehovah. Mm. The holy people. Redeemed of Yehovah. Wow. Man, oh man. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of Yehovah. And then you will be called. Now, I think there's got to be an issue here in you verse Jerusalem, 12. Because it's feminine. <laughs> yeah. You will be called sought after. The city no longer deserted. Mm. Oh, goodness gracious. Wow. May it be and may it be quickly. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. All right, so we, we've got to decide what we're going to do next. Homework. Yes. So we've got the theme here. We've talked about it before. Yehovah coming from the mountains of the south to get uh, in order to get to Israel from Sinai. Um, Yehovah must pass through Edom, Seir, based on the geography. He also has to pass through Moab, Edom, Midian, Sinai. That's that's the, the route, north mm-hmm. and south. Uh, look up Deuteronomy 33.2, Judges chapter 5, verse 4, Habakkuk, Habakkuk 
3-3, and we've got, in a bunch of other places as well, this theme of Yehovah coming from the mountains of the south. Mm, awesome. So, um, Nehemiah, we go, we're talking about that all the way up until when? What, 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 is the, uh, what is the break here? We go to... So it goes to verse 9. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this verse 4. Kiyom nakam belibi, a day of vengeance is in my heart. Ushnat ke'ulai ba'a, and the year of my redemption is come. Va'abit ve'enozer, verse 5. And I looked, and there was no helper. Mm-hmm. And I stared, and there was none to, to support me. Mm-hmm. My uh, arm was salvation for me. And my wrath, it lifted me up, it supported me. And so Yehovah is saying, look, I'm going to carry out this, um, the great and terrible day of, Ye- of Yehovah. There's going to be this, this, this vengeance, this punishment. And it's mm-hmm. just going to be me. Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody to help me. I don't need any assistance, any, mm-hmm. any helpers. Mm-hmm. Any, um, it's going to be me. I'm going to do it. Mm. Well, folks, I want you to do, I do want to take a moment just to, just to say something. You know, I, I, sometimes you get a chance to be in the future. And like right now, we're today. And, and I don't know what's going to happen right on September. Today. today, we're in March as we're talking. But as you're listening, you're actually in September and, and it really is no small thing I was trying to share with Nehemiah. I came to Israel with a burden, and the burden really was what would I do with the information um, that I've gathered over the last couple of years as it pertains to this important place, the Temple Mountain, all the issues around it, not only my friend Yehuda Glick. Nehemiah and I did an amazing um, trip where we went to the places, the, the process of where the Ark went, uh, some of the places the Ark went, and he was very helpful with that. Uh, my friend Ronaldo, uh, Eduardo Reconati also helped me. I have to thank him for that. But the thing I'm saying right now is that right now, if you go to bfainternational.com, there's one thing I know for sure that is there, and that is this um, Biblical Hebrew audio course, which if you haven't gotten a chance to, to take a look at it, I'm actually writing it while, you're, while I'm here in Jerusalem and have been doing some work before. And what I really was trying to do was try to find a way that would be um, bite-sized for people to understand some of this, because I don't know what it does for you, but it really blesses me, Nehemiah, when I'm hearing the Hebrew spoken, and then, then when I'm able to actually even understand some of it myself and see the words and understand the words in their language, history, and content. So that definitely is there. Hopefully, prayerfully, by the time uh, you're hearing this, there's also going to be something that's uh, related to what's happened over the last couple of years regarding the Temple Mount in video form, and I really... Really hope that that happens. But as a result of what happened today, I just got to tell you, I want to tell my friends that are listening, I definitely am going to take the words of Isaiah very seriously. And I want to read them again in 62 verses 1 and 2. Mm. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. Till her righteousness shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. With BFAinternational.com, inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith. But it all started... Right here in the land of Jerusalem, and I'm just uh, I'm just convinced that God is maestro. As I told your mom this morning as we were waiting, maestro is at work <laughs> before we ever went on the Temple Mount. And I got to say something. He created a beautiful symphony today. That's all I got to say. Okay. All right. Are okay. you done? Yes. All right. Can we talk about verse 9? And yes, I, I, absolutely. I won't, I won't be too long, but no, this it is really important. is an important verse. Yes. Um, can you read it, please? Yes. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence... Save them. In his love and in his mercy, he redeemed them. And he lifted them and carried them all the days of old. So this is really interesting because this is the only place in the entire Tanakh that it mentions this idea of an angel of the presence. Mm. And that that immediately jumped off the page at me because in the Jewish tradition later on, the angel of the presence becomes this this huge thing. 
fact, there's more than one angel of the presence that we're about to talk all about talk about. But um, you know, this whole question of angels, and you know, there's this idea mm-hmm. in 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 um, in history they call angelology, mm-hmm. which is people who pray to angels and they interact with angels and they worship angels and they burn incense to mm-hmm. angels. And definitely, my understanding of the Tanakh is that some, not something we should be doing. We should be worshiping Yehovah directly, not an intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we looked at Judges thirteen eighteen, where he says, "Why do you ask my name? It is wonderful hidden." Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about that. But angels with names. Do you know there's only two named angels in the Tanakh? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we talked about that. Yep, too. we did. And, and there's only five places in the Tanakh that angels with ma- names are mentioned. Uh, Gabriel's mentioned twice in Daniel eight sixteen and nine twenty one. Mm-hmm. Michael or Michael is mentioned um, in three passages. Daniel ten ten thirteen says Michael, one of the first angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel ten twelve says Michael, your sar sar is a, a I guess a high ranking angel. What Joshua saw in five fourteen to fifteen was South Savah Yehovah, uh, an officer in the army of Yehovah. So that word sar is there. And then in Daniel twelve one, Michael is the great sar. So um, five times the Tanakh angels names, and there's only two angels that are named. Um, so this idea of the angel of the presence, what is that? And then we had in the original Torah pearls. We talked about, I think it was in Genesis 49, where it talked about the angel who redeems me, Malach HaGoeloti, mm-hmm. which as I mentioned back then, that's in Genesis 48, 16 actually. Um, the angel who redeemed me, who redeems me from all evil, let him bless the, the youths, um, etc., which is very unusual. So two places in the Tanakh, uh, and arguably also in the book of Daniel, we have the, this this whole issue with angels. It's, it's very strange. Um in the New Testament, of course, in Jude chapter 1, verse 9, or the only chapter, verse mm-hmm. 9, Revelation mm-hmm. 12, 7 has an interesting statement about angels that's you know, outside the Tanakh. So uh, if we're already outside the Tanakh, can I talk about the rabbinical discussion about angels? I, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm have you, have not so this up. is really interesting. So there is this whole big discussion in the rabbinical literature about the angel of the presence. Mm. And w- do you know what the angel of the presence is called in some of the rabbinical writings? Yes, I do. And his name is Methotron. One of them is called Metatron. Uh-huh. There's actually three. Uh-huh. One of them that. is called Elijah. Uh-huh. And the third one is called Yeshua. And there is an entire literature in modern Jewish scholarship talking about Yeshua Sarhapnim, Yeshua, the angel of the presence. <laughs> um, so, and this is so, um, so much sounds like Yeshua of Nazareth that many Jewish scholars, and I'm talking about secular scholars at Hebrew University and other places, have said this was inserted into rabbinical literature by Christians. Mm. And this is, this is a scam. It's not really in there. But there was this one scholar at Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and he actually, his name was Yehuda Liebs. Um, he was a professor of, um, of mysticism at Hebrew U. And he actually went and he tracked this Yeshua Sarhapnim, Yeshua the Angel of the Presence, all the way back to the 12th century. That's the earliest that he found it in a book called Sefer HaCheshek, or the Book of Desire. It was written in Germany by a rabbi named Nehemiah Hanavi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nehemiah the prophet? No, that's not me. Um, the book is also called, interestingly, The 70 Names of Metatron. Mm-hmm. Now, Metatron, some people say, is Mithra. Rabbi, or excuse me, Professor Liebes didn't agree with that. Um, he says Metatron's not Mithra. He, he argued that is really interesting. He really shows, I think, quite convincingly, or, or he certainly thought very convincingly. He wrote a very long study about this, explaining that there are three angels of the presence in this Jewish literature, mm-hmm. Eliyahu, Elijah, mm-hmm. Chanoch, Enoch, and Enoch, according to some of the Jewish source, is Metatron. Mm-hmm. In other words, whenever you see Metatron, that is a later Enoch. name for Enoch. And the third one is Yeshua. 
And he says, this has to be Yeshua of Nazareth. The first two we know are human beings who went up to heaven and according to the rabbis became angels of the presence. And um, the third one, according to this Jewish literature, was this Yeshua of Nazareth who went up to heaven and became an angel. And imagine this. This is in Jewish sources. Now, here what's really interesting to me. This, this to me is absolutely fascinating. Can you give us the exact place where that is so people can look it up? Um, so there's an article that actually is, is online. It's an article by this professor Yehuda Leaps from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Spell it's, that? it's in Hebrew. Lamed Yud Bet Samach. And he's quoting here from, uh, as I said, from the book Sefer HaCheshek, which is in manuscript. You can't go look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, what you'll find on some of the Christian websites and the, and, the, and the Messianic missionary websites is that, you know, in the Jewish prayer book, it mentions Yeshua, the angel of the presence, mm-hmm. and that's now been taken out of the Jewish prayer book. And all of that's true. But that's a very late prayer book from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. The actual source is this 12th century um, uh, book, which is the 70 names of Metatron, which alongside Metatron or Enoch, myth, possibly Mithra, according to some people, mm-hmm. uh, mentions this Yeshua, the angel of the presence. Mm-hmm. And it, here's the interesting thing that uh, Leaps brings up, that in the entire history of Jewish Christian debates and arguments and discussions, no one has ever brought, up until relatively modern times, meaning now you'll find it on websites and in in Christian literature and in Messianic literature, but until modern times, no one ever brought this in the Christian world as an argument, you Jews should believe in Yeshua, he's one of the angels. Mm -hmm. And he says, why is that? This is Professor Leibs Mm -hmm. uh, who said this. He said, because for the Christian, this was heresy. Mm -hmm. For the Christian, Yeshua is not an angel of the presence. Mm -hmm. And and so here's his hypothesis. This isn't me saying this. This is Professor Yehuda Leibs. Hebrew University of Jerusalem, he argues as follows. He says, there were Jews who believed in Yeshua, and they believed he was an angel who went up to heaven in the first century, they believed this, and became an angel of the presence just like Elijah and just like Enoch. Um, And they were persecuted by the church because that was blasphemy. That was heresy according to the Catholic Church and the Greek Orthodox Church. And so what do you do if you're a Jew who believes in Yeshua and you're being persecuted by the church? You go hide among the Jewish community. Mm Mm-hmm. And according to him, it was one of those Jews who believed in Yeshua who was hiding among the other Jews that wrote this book, this Nehemiah Hanavi, Nehemiah the, the prophet. Again, not me. Oh, wait a minute. Now, in the 12th on, century. too close for comfort. So, so, the, so, so, the, so the, the Jew is hiding amongst the, the uh, I'm sorry, the, the Christian, the, 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 the father Jew who of Yeshua, Yeshua is hiding, is hiding among amongst the other, the, other okay. Jews, which is easy because he keeps the Torah. So it's relatively easy. His only problem is when they say the prayer in the synagogue cursing the people who believe in Yeshua. Okay. That's in the 18 benedictions, uh, the, the Birkat the Minim. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he, you know, he, it's relatively easy for him to hide among the Jews um, uh, you know, so and, and avoid the persecution this, of the Catholic. Now, this isn't me saying this. Go look it up. No, but I mean, you're bringing this, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, now I'm looking at you kind of funny. Like, what, you're looking at me funny. Are, I mean, you, look are, you, are you hiding? Like, what are you doing? No, I'm, <laughs> you're I, not, look, I've been very straight, very clear, and, and that's what I appreciate. Clear. I am not saying Yeshua is an angel of the right. presence. I am not. That's not what I'm saying. Go read my study, my paper on this. Uh, it's very clear and, and unequivocal. Mm-hmm. It's called The Ass Speaks Out. It's on NehemiahsWall.com. I state what my position is without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Without, uh, but what I am saying is, you know, look, I'm not coming here to, um, you know, to debate and win the Jewish side. Because if I was, I'd never tell you about this. Mm-hmm. Because somebody might say this, and this works in our favor. Look, this is the facts. I just want to empower people with information. Know what the information is And that's the testimony, Nehemiah. That really is. That's the testimony. That's another example of that. Um, And I'll post a link to this study by Yehuda Leaps on the the website, if I remember. Okay. There, I'm done. You can close us. You want me to close with prayer? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yehovah Avinu Shabashamayim, Yehovah, our Father in heaven. Yehovah, you are the one who placed your name forever upon that place, the place that daily is desecrated by those who hate your people. And they use the name of their God as a form of violence against your people. Yehovah, I ask you to turn their hearts to your truth. They say they believe in the God of Abraham, Yehovah. They say they believe in the God of Moses, Yehovah. They say they believe in the God even of Yeshua. This is what they say, Yehovah. Yehovah, turn their hearts to you as the one and only God. Let them know that Yehovah hu ha'elohim, Yehovah, he is God. Yehovah is the greatest, the king of the universe. There is no other. Yehovah, I ask you to, to redeem your people as, as you spoke here. Yehovah, put on us the, the hat of glory mm. that we may serve before you, minister before you, be kohanim before you. Yehovah, have your desire in us, Yehovah. Break the shackles and set free the people, Yehovah. Yehovah, I ask more than anything, Yehovah, that you come and you stand with us on the wall. You put us up on that wall. Yehovah, we need you on that wall. We do. We, we, we stand there and, and they're firing arrows at us and they're, and they're throwing rocks at us and shooting at us, Yehovah, up on the wall. We need you up there. As we mention your name up on the wall, Yehovah. Yehovah, may your salvation come, Yehovah. And, and I don't know what this is, Yehovah, here in your word about the angel who redeems and the angel of your presence, Yehovah. But Yehovah, whatever these angels are, whoever they are, whatever their names are, whether they have names or whether it's too hidden for us and too wonderful for us, Send your messengers, Yehovah, to help us up on that wall and to do your work and to proclaim your name and to redeem your people. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit nehemiaswall.com and bfainternational.com.